are Locked On Eagles, your daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, everybody, to another edition of the Locked On Eagles podcast. It's your daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast, as always, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Every day, Louis DiBiase alongside Gino Camilleri on this Wednesday edition of the show. It's episode number three this week of five. Download it into your phone when you subscribe to Lockdown Eagles, wherever you get your podcasts. It can be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Radio.com is now Odyssey. So the Odyssey app, you can find it there. We're on every platform, Gino, five times a week. And also just announced today that we officially are on YouTube. So you can subscribe to our YouTube channel, Lockdown Eagles. We'll be doing a lot of uh, you know previews, sneak previews from the episodes, clips from our daily podcast will be on YouTube, uh, film breakdowns, live stuff. Me and Gino did a Mock Draft Monday live a couple days ago. So it's a fun new platform, man. And with the draft coming up in just a couple weeks, we've got a lot of content still to get into. Two weeks from tomorrow. and It's go man. time, baby. It's go time. The discussions are as crazy as ever. I mean, now we're sitting here, and is San Fran going to take Justin Fields? Like as of today, I mean, Shanahan smiling, talking him up, man. They seem like they're having a good time, <laughs> dude. Every time we think we know something, we end yep. up not knowing a dang thing. But the one thing we do know is that there are guys in this class that you and I love, as always, that are technically my guys, but we might like them a little more than the general yes, consensus. I would say. But that's what makes this season so fun is that you could look at a guy like we were having that discussion with the uh, about the Kentucky linebacker the other day that they think he's going to be a first round pick. Oh, and Jamin you Davis, and I, right? Yeah, Jamin Davis. Yeah, exactly. And that's what makes it fun. It's like NFL teams see it so much differently, and a lot of these pundits like Jim Nagy, who I always mention, say that what the media perceives as these guys ceiling and where they stand in terms of the draft Mm -hmm. is not necessarily anything near the NFL. And I think you look at a team like Seattle who makes that ever so evident every Every time they first round. This year we won't get that right. I mean, Jordan Brooks, we thought was going to be a second round ago. Yeah, that's right. From TCU. Yeah. Seattle Mm -hmm. really. Rashad Rashad Penny. Penny. (laughs) The Seahawks are the perfect example of you have no idea what the NFL is going to do. They take it a little far, but you're right, man. In just two weeks, we think we have a good idea. We did our predictive mock draft on Monday, but you really just never know in the NFL. I'm glad you mentioned my guys because that's what we're going to talk about on this edition of Lockdown Eagles. We're going to do our my guys mock draft on Monday, but today I thought we'd kind of kick that off by talking about some prospects, as Gino hinted at, that we like maybe more than the consensus, right? You see overall rankings. A lot of them, Gino, are pretty close. You know, someone might have Terrace Marshall as their wide receiver five. Somebody might have them as their wide receiver seven. But overall, I feel like a lot of the rankings are pretty close. Today, I want to talk about players that we might like a lot more than other draft analysts, maybe teams, you know, scouts, general managers alike. So that's coming up on today's edition of Lockdown Eagles. But before we get into that, that kind of started to make me think about this in an Eagles way, Gino, through the last decade of drafts as we enter the second decade of the 21st century, I started to think about my guys that we liked after the Eagles picked them that maybe we thought were going to turn into stars of the 2010s 
that were absolute busts. So that's my question for you, and I pose this on Twitter as well. You can still respond at LockdownBirds. Who is the Eagles draft bust of the 2010s? And we can go up to you know the last year's draft class as well that you were all in on that you thought was going to be a star that totally flamed out. And I think I already know who it was based yeah, on Yeah, man, I know. Because I think it's it the kinda, same one it, for me. Okay, maybe we are different. I mean, I'm going to accept that I was a little bit wrong on J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. I was, gonna, I well, was, gonna I was thinking of somebody else, but was. yeah, duh, J.J. is definitely one for you. I also <laughs> was very, very high on Ja'Cory Shepard coming out. I know our good friend David Collins on Twitter we thought he was going to be the guy. I man. love that like, you. I love that you said that because I wrote down: Were we all on the Jagori Shepard hype train? And this guy was like a six I re- from Kansas. Why, I remember why were we exactly so where he was when Darren Sproles <laughs> tore his ACL. I was going on a hike to the Eternal Flame in Buffalo. You know exactly where yep. that is. And I get the ESPN thing that says, or I think it was the Philadelphia Eagles website yeah, yeah. when they used to do the practices back then. Right. And it was like practice. Live. Yeah. It was like training camp announcement. Uh, Ja'Cory Shepard taken off on stretcher ran into by Darren Sproles. I'm like one, it's not even that it was a non-contact injury Two, It was by his own teammate mm-hmm. and we were all high on him. He was a late round pick. It probably would have been the best pick that Chip Kelly had outside of Lane Johnson. You I didn't like uh, Randall Evans, the guy that they picked after at cornerback in the seventh round of that class. That was such a bad draft class, it was man. Brutal, Chip man. Kelly had some. We talk about Howie Roseman. Chip had some bad yeah. ones. We've been kind of making Chip Kelly seem like the protagonist over the past couple right. months because we're learning all this stuff about Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman. But at the same time, it's not like Chip Kelly was a good evaluation uh, evaluator of personnel either. He had some bad ones. But it's funny. I wrote down after a couple names. I'm like, were we all in on Ja'Cory Shepard? Because it seemed mm-hmm. like. We kind of were. I think, you know, you mentioned J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. Of course, that was your guy in 2019. Were mm. we together, though, I think in 2017, we both thought Sidney Jones was going to be an absolute star. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. So, you know, of, our boy Sid. I don't think Razul Douglas, I wouldn't consider him a bust because I don't think we expected him to be CB1. Sidney Jones mm-hmm. was supposed to be CB1, Gino, for sure. I mean, he was, Absolutely. you took him in the second round because of the Achilles. Jalen Mills was a stopgap. Darby was a stopgap. Zool was kind of one, too. Sid was supposed to be the guy. That's the thing, like his talent wise, and when you look at the whole evaluation process of it, he was picked to be that guy, and it was the biggest roll of the dice that we took in quite some time, waiting till the second round to take this guy, passing up guys like Marlon Humphrey, for example, and mm-hmm. taking Derek Barnett, and that kind of, I mean, revisionist history, we did need an edge, and Derek Barnett makes a lot of sure. logical sense. But in the same sense, do they wait for a cornerback if they know they can get Marlon Humphrey and then they switch it around and get another edge? If it wasn't such a bad edge class, right. do they take cornerback early and then go on and get one later in the draft? Turns out that it wasn't, and Cindy Jones tearing his Achilles was the worst thing for him, man. And so I hate when that's the case, That much like Ja'Cory Shepard, but com- two completely different planes. Right, because sure. was he a bust? He was a bust because of the injury, pretty much. Right. Exactly, yeah, and that completely deterred his career. And people were talking about him as arguably the best corner outside of Marshawn Lattimore in that class. He could run super well at Washington, and then all of a sudden that injury hits you. Some Mm -hmm. guys don't come back from it. I mean, you could look at the MLB. Some guys have two, three, four Tommy John. I mean, four is a little ridiculous, but you've seen two (laughs) Tommy John surgeries, and they come back and they excel. And then there's guys that 
they go out, they tweak their elbow, and they can't do anything for the rest of their career. So mm-hmm. it, it all hits everybody differently. You hope that they get lucky this time around, and they kind of change their approach when it comes to drafting guys with injury history, as you have seen last year. It's why I'm kind of scared of Caleb Farley, even though I love the guy's yeah. talent. Sidney Jones just has me scarred. And again, it wasn't because right. Sidney Jones was a bad player, man. We saw flashes, even though he's considered mm-hmm. a bust for what he was supposed to be in Philly. I mean, 2019, look at that stretch when they had to win four games. Sid made huge plays in the final drives against the he Giants. won the Cowboys game, man. Against he the, won Cowboys. the Cowboys. Yeah, game they picked on the him. Giants game. He I got thrown into that. the fire. Fourth quarter, a couple minutes left. The Cowboys are down one score. First play, Dak goes at him. Left mm-hmm. side of the uh, left corner of the end zone to Michael Gallup. And Sid makes the play. And then, of course, he seals the NFC East crown in 2019 with that pick against the Giants. So we did see some talent. But like you said, you know, some guys, they don't lose a step after some of these kind of injuries. But some do. And they don't lose it completely. But mm-hmm. with Sidney Jones, you could see he lost maybe just that half a step. And in the NFL, man, that's all the difference. And between a Michael Gallup, a Amari Cooper going down the field, sometimes if you lose just that, you know, 0.3 seconds on your 40 time, that's that's all it takes because it's so close in the NFL. And that's kind of what happened with Sid for sure. But I, I thought he was going to be a stud, and I think you did as well. Absolutely. And yeah, I like how you said that, because if you look at the other end of the spectrum with Deshaun Jackson, a guy who was oft injured, but every time he right. came back, he right. came back as strong as ever. And he when still you saw as Sid, fast as ever last year, I mean, week right. 16. when you saw the tape on Sid every single week, it was like, this is not the same kid we're seeing that we saw at that tape in Washington. It's two completely different people. Right. And I mean, that happens from time to time. And hey, you missed, and now you got to go out and do it again. And there's a reason that they're going to continue to add capital at those positions is because they've had some of the worst luck at wide receiver and cornerback. you got to keep taking swings of the bat. And yep. in this class, you have a high probability of hitting on wide receiver and cornerback. I think you can get starters in this class on day three. And there was a tweet that I think it was from Ian Rappaport saying that last year was a strong wide receiver class. But what he's hearing now is that this year it's all slot receivers. And then yeah. I think Dave Brugler went off of that and said, yeah, on the other side of the ball, the slot cornerbacks are the same way that you could, I mean, day three, you're picking a guy like Rashad Wild Goose out of Wisconsin or and Jalen Darden. Both of those guys have a chance to start for you. And, and that's going to be what these Eagles teams need on both the offensive and defensive side of the ball and both of the playmaker positions continue to take shots at playmakers it's like jr smith in the nba man just shoot out of it you you keep missing man just just keep shooting the ball i went on twitter at lockdown birds to see who the listeners think was an eagles draft bust of the 2010s that they believe would be a star i got danelle pumphrey in there that's kind of brutal uh somebody was high on danny watkins and i was never into that idea i was all team jimmy smith in 2010 that was the pick i wanted who is still a great cornerback for the baltimore ravens uh we got a troll that said carson wentz good one (laughs) and then uh sydney a lot of sydney jones and then a nelson aguilar i guess that's right based on him being a first round pick i mean you get a guy that catches nine balls in the super bowl i don't want to say it's a bust but yeah for for what oh hey same draft eric rowe I loved oh, Eric Rowe, and I one. also think yeah. he was in Philly three years too early. But he's early. good now, right, though? I mean, he's – well, they didn't Dude, he's use him good. he's supposed to be. He's a safety. Yeah, he's a he's like yeah. a – he's a covered down safety, like a nickel safety slash right. nickel corner. So he was a bust for what we made him be. Yes. Dude, coming out of college, everybody goes, this guy's going to be a versatile safety, blah, blah, blah. And mm-hmm. we – you know what? Hey, let's uh, move him to corner where a guy like Jalen Mills, who has stiff hips as well, much like a guy like Eric Rowe, didn't succeed against quick twitch wide receivers. 
hey, shocking to nobody. And hey, Miami paid him now, and now they made some money, and he's doing all right. But a lot of these Eagles draft picks that they've had haven't come to their second contract, and Eric Rowe is one of those guys. I liked Eric Rowe, too. I thought he was also going to be a safety coming out of Utah. And Razul Douglas kind of the same way, man. I thought he was similar to Eric Rowe where he could fit that mold. No one has tried to use him yet in that area, but uh, Razul Mm -hmm. Douglas definitely won as well. Okay, now we'll move on to, in segment two and three, some prospects this year that we like more than others, Gino. That's coming up next right here on your daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast, Locked on Eagles. Ladies and gentlemen, today's show is brought to you by the best tasting protein bar on the planet. It's Built Bar, 18 amazing flavors. We've got six new ones for you. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. Also the 12 OGs. My go-to is peanut butter brownie or just peanut butter straight up. It's a healthy alternative to your everyday snack. 180 calories in every bar, 19 grams of protein. They're covered in 100% chocolate, and they're soft and easy to chew. If you go to BuiltBar.com right now and use our promo code LOCKED15, that's L-O-C-K-E-D, all capital letters, by the way, 1-5, you're going to get 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Ladies and gentlemen, today's edition of Locked On Eagles is brought to you as well by the Locked On Today podcast. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski, who's also of Locked On Packers, updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Louis DiBiase alongside Gino Camilleri. Gino, we're going to get into now some prospects in this 2021 class that were higher um, than most. So, you know, a couple of years ago, I had North Dakota State running back Bruce Anderson as my RB2. Nobody mm-hmm. else had him even close to that. He barely, I don't think he ever, he never played a snap in the NFL, unfortunately. He did in the preseason for the Buccaneers. We even had him on Lockdown Eagles one time. Uh, mm-hmm. Darwin Thompson that year as well, the Utah State running back. Won a Super Bowl. Won a Super Bowl, so I guess that's <laughs> fair. But like that, that was for me. And then, um, you know, last year, who were a couple guys for you last year you could think of off the top of your head that you were really high on over others? I mean, it's going to scar me till the end of time. I mean, Jeremy every safety Chin. ever, right? Yeah, Kyle Duggar, Jeremy <laughs> For you, Chin. the last couple of years. Every just single year. This year, Adderley. This year, oh, Adderley. Right, yeah. Right. So for Gino, it was just get him a safety, and the Eagles didn't do it. But hey, they we got, got one. We got Simon. Oh, that's and right. Anthony Harris. Harris. Right, for sure. So each year, I feel like everybody, including me and Gino, and you guys, the listeners as well, like pound the table for that one prospect that you have, like, 15, 20 spots higher on your board than maybe everybody else. Or again, for me, like Bruce Anderson, that was like 100 spots higher than pretty much everybody else. Gino, off the top of your head right now, give me maybe the prospect that you're higher on than the consensus of draft analysts, probably NFL teams as well. I'm going to stick with my guy who I've been pumping up for the last two seasons, arguably one of the best running backs I've ever seen in college, one of the best overall playmakers, a player who scored 11 touchdowns in two games twice within a 12-month stretch. So he scored 22 touchdowns in four games. Running back Jarrett Patterson, who the Draft Network currently has ranked as their 21st running back overall and 294th prospect to me that is crazy when i'm an analytic guy you know i am his Mm -hmm. his ras isn't the greatest in the world but when you look at the football aspect of it 
When you see guys that are able to get into the end zone as much as he was, you throw all the analytics out the window and you draft that guy on day three simply because of what he did. I would I was talking about him being a day two pick before this season. The testing numbers, they are what they are. But at the same time, a guy doesn't score eight touchdowns in a single game. Right. And he's not good at football. I don't think that's ever happened. I hear the he offensive a- line stuff, like the UB offensive line was so good. But, like, yeah, sure, so that helped a little bit. But he posted video games. Like, How many of those guys were drafted, though, Lou? How many right. of those guys are drafted? Right, exactly. Maybe one this year? That's the point. You don't post, yeah, that helps you a lot for a running back. Mm-hmm. But you don't post historic video game numbers. Like, you put it on rookie mode, right? And you're running yeah. with or Bo Jackson Tech Mobile. That was, those were the numbers he was posting. And, again, it wasn't the SEC. It wasn't Power 5. But the MAC conference is still respectable for a running right. back in that conference to do that like you said 22 touchdowns in four games the kid can clearly play to a certain floor you don't want him mm-hmm. to be your do-it-all running back but what was it the 25th ranked running back i think that's crazy 21st i think still i mean he, still i would have him in the top 13 for yeah. me i mean guys that are ahead of him right now garrett groshek are we t- are we serious out of wisconsin <laughs> i mean what are we even watching here i mean Javion Hawkins out of Louisville, yeah, I can see it. Rakeem Boyd, yeah, SEC. Pro- I mean, if you're going off of who he played against, of course, but yeah. Jarrett Patterson, a number – I mean, you put him as a number two to Miles, Lou. Can we stop with the who they play against as if Alabama doesn't play Western Kentucky every year in the Citadel? Like, it's not like these Power 5 schools are playing powerhouses every single week. So yeah. the whole who they played, I mean, come on. Missouri is barely an SEC team. Vanderbilt right. is barely Rutgers an SEC team. Rutgers is in the Big team. Ten. Tennessee is barely an SEC Rutgers team. Rutgers should get like, relegated to the FCS. Yeah, and the MAC is arguably one of the best, I mean, group of five conferences that there are outside of the American. Mm-hmm. I would have it right there. And Jarrett Patterson, to me, I mean, I watched every single game that he ever played. But at the same time, you just you look at the numbers. You go down and you say, oh, this guy scored how many touchdowns? And then the guy who's behind him, and Kevin Marks Jr. also was a thousand yard runner the year before yeah. as well, and then put up six hundred this year. Right. So not only was he doing that in that backfield, he also had a guy behind him that was taking doing touches just away. as well. Yeah, yeah and taking he was taking touches, touches away. Exactly. So he was doing that at an efficient level, Gino. So mm-hmm. Jarrett Patterson's a great one, the running back from UB. Mine is one I've talked about once before on this show, and now he's kind of being hyped up, so I, I feel kind of cheap doing this. But I was in on him early, Gino. I don't want to say I, I didn't discover him. Uh, he was like your uh, – who was the guy last year that plays for Chicago now? Oh, your, Darnell Mooney. Darnell Mooney. Yeah, you were like, in on Mooney before yeah. people were in on him. And I it's remember not like that. I, and again, yeah, and I wasn't the first one. I don't want to take credit no. for Darnell Mooney. But, yeah, like we did a – a podcast that year about dark horse receivers we like, and actually two of them got drafted. You love John Hightower. I mentioned Quez Watkins, funny enough. Both came to Philly. Uh, Darnell Mooney was one as well. This year, it's North Texas receiver Jalen Darden. I think he's going to be a stud inside. He is a nightmare versus man coverage in the slot. The past couple years, last year, the most slot touchdowns in second in slot yards, fourth most yards after the catch, highest missed tackle rate, and that was ahead of guys like Kadarius Toney. Gino, there's some incredible, we talked about slot receivers this year. Darden's one of them, and there's some incredible run after the catch guys like Ron Dale Moore, Elijah Moore, Kadarius Coney, these, the Tony, these players are going to be picked in the first and second round. Darden, I wouldn't be surprised if he was a second, third round pick. He also had the most red zone touchdowns of any receiver last year. So if you're Philadelphia, if you're the Eagles and you want to double dip a receiver, me and you talk a lot about double dipping this year mm-hmm. at receiver and at cornerback, kind of like you did in 2017 with Sidney Jones and Razul Douglas, right? If you want to do that again at receiver, at corner, 
in rounds one through three. And let's say you go with like a Terrace Marshall Jr. in the first round. Let's say you move back in for Marshall. That's an X receiver, right? Rager at the Z. I would be totally fine with one of those two third round picks if you took Jalen Darden. I just, I think I tweeted this earlier and you were about to tweet the exact same thing with what you literally, I literally was if, Man City wasn't playing. I yeah. was going to tweet that. I With, was just too nervous. I was shaking. My hands right. were literally shaking. That's fair. That's justified for sure. Man City had to get over the hump today, and they did. So yes. congrats to you. But curse. Ian Rappaport said, like you said, this year is insane for slot receivers. And we're talking about guys like Tony. And I mentioned Jalen Darden today. And you look at as well, like Jalen Rager can play inside. I think Quez Watkins could do it as well. And heck, even if you want Travis Fulgham at times to play big slot. And you look at all these prospects, and then even, heck, if you want to trade for Anthony Miller, there is no excuse for Greg Ward to be your starting slot receiver next year. Please do not let this turn into Jalen Mills 2.0, where we just can't get rid of this decent floor, very, very low ceiling starter. I just I can't put up with that kind of player anymore, especially when you're rebuilding. Find out what you have in these upside guys, because you're not trying to win the Super Bowl next year anyway. So I think Darden right. or any of these other guys we're mentioning – Upgrade over Greg Ward for sure. Ward has been serviceable when you needed him. 2019, you needed him bad. You don't need him. I'm not saying that he shouldn't be on the roster. No, for sure. He's a great receiver. Yeah, he's a great wide receiver six. He's just not a starter. Right. Yeah, absolutely. He should be. I mean, if Quez Watkins was healthy all year and Quez was the number five, six receiver all year, I would have Mm -hmm. just swapped Quez Watkins for Greg Ward. Right. Simply based on athleticism alone. And you're completely right, Lou, in this class. I mean, you can get a guy like Rondell Moore, Elijah Moore in the second round, or you can wait and get a guy like Jalen Darden. Or Amari Robinson from Clemson I didn't even mention. Yeah, there's plenty of Amari. Or I'm sorry. um, Owl. The the Clemson. Amari Rogers. Rogers, Rogers, my fault. My fault. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, there's plenty. I know exactly what you mean, though, Lou. I mean, you're going to be able to get guys that you can toss in there simply Mm -hmm. based on athleticism, simply based on that position on this team alone. I mean, there's going to be a comp- open competition for, I would say, two out of the three starting wide receiver yeah. spots on this team. Yeah, yeah, easily. Unless they take like Devontae Smith, but yeah, right. I think there's going to be an open competition for a lot of the receiver spots this year. And so Jalen Darden, definitely one for me. Gino, you got somebody else that you're a bit higher on than most? Yeah, I think you are too, and I think we've mentioned him on the show, and I've mentioned a lot of BYU players. Mm-hmm. Tight end. Matt Bushman, who is currently mm-hmm. ranked 354th, Lou. 354th. That's pretty low. On the draft network. That's insane. That's like when they have no below. descriptions on them. You can't even find out anything about them. Dude, <laughs> the only re- I see the reason why he had a big injury. He was carted off last year, but he averaged 13.8 yards of reception in his three years prior to that. He had 125 receptions, almost 1,800 yards. He played in that BYU system that just continued to get better and better. He's six foot five. He runs very well. I mean, outside of that injury, you look at him and he's that move tight end for BYU. He's doing the things that they want and they ask their tight ends to block a little bit more. So Bushman has been well entrenched in being on the line and being able to be a high reception rate type of guy, having two seasons of 45 plus receptions. Right. That seems like a good number two to me to put behind Dallas Goddard. And I mean, they have him in undrafted free agent territory right now. This guy is going to be an early day three pick, in my opinion. Not a good tight end class at all. And especially a guy with as much athleticism as he has. I think Bushman is going to be a steal on this class. 
Well, and Gino, you can ask the question, like, can we get him undrafted? Probably, but when you have so many day three picks like the Eagles do, you might as right. well take those guys later on and so you know that you've got them because, again, undrafted free agency, you mm-hmm. got to kind of pitch to them. They can choose whatever team they want. So in that area, you have to start thinking about guys that you're targeting undrafted. When you have that much ammunition in day three, you mm-hmm. target a player like him for sure. So that's a really good one. And then the last one for me before we head into segment three and give one more each and this is a first or second round pick, obviously, and I've mentioned him to death, Asante Samuel Jr., but I am comfortable. I think most right now, I think the draft network even just notched him down one spot. He was the 59th overall prospect. They just moved him to number 60. So I I don't get it. I mean, a lot of people are getting hyped up on him, but he still feels like a player people are expecting to go in the second round when I personally feel like he should and he could go top 20. On Mock Draft Monday, Spoiler alert, me and Gino, we moved back in to the first round to pick 21, and we got Greg Newsom. But if you would say that same scenario where the Eagles moved up to 21 and took Asante, I wouldn't bat an eye. I think it would be totally justified. I see Jair Alexander when he's on tape, Gino, and it's not to say he's going to be the best cornerback in football like I think Alexander might be, but you just look at, I know he's undersized, but the processing, the route recognition, that click and close ability, it's just so impressive. And again, he plays bigger than his size. He can be aggressive and he can shadow and press man, even with that size. And if you want to play him off, man or zone, he reads the field so well like his dad did. And some impressive stats here from 2018 to 2020, he had the best forced incompletion percentage among all power five corners. He had a 46.2 passer rating in coverage last season when targeted. That's lowest in the draft class. 33 pass deflections in 32 games and an 83.9 PFF grade when there was no pressure on the quarterback, which is harder on corners. That was second best in this class. So again, it's not like I'm picking Asante out of random, you know, some middle of nowhere D2 school and saying he's going to be a stud undrafted guy. He's going to be a first or second round pick, but I'm comfortable after Sertain and Horn. If you want to pick Asante over Newsom over Farley, hey man, I'm game. I, I totally understand it. Yeah, we talk about the Darnell Savage rise. I think that's right where you're going to see Asante. Great one. Yeah, I I didn't even think of that. Yeah. I mean, you look at Jair Alexander and you look at him, and I know it's cliche just because of their size, but seriously, Mm. based on the versatility and what they're able to do. It's a fair comp. Yeah. It's a fair comp. I mean, and he played – I mean, not SEC. He played ACC ball, which is Mm – Big time. He's going oh, against yeah. big time wide it's receivers. Trevor Lawrence in there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. Like, you are going against big time competition year in and year out in a Florida State team that is not nearly what it was seven, eight years ago. That that organization, that whole program yeah, is in shambles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's come down a lot. And you look at a guy, Asante Samuel, who just stood through all that versatility and just was – I mean, for I mean, uh, what do you call it? You know the word I'm talking. Yeah, adversity, yeah, yeah. adversity, adversity. With his versatility and was able to do a lot of things. He's a press man type of corner, which we need. He'd be a very good number two for us. I think he's going to be higher than 60th overall. I, I think that's crazy to have him in that position. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be that low. And so again, mm-hmm. if you say he's in the top 20, I really wouldn't bat an eye. So those are a bunch of names that me and Gino are a lot higher on in this draft class than most. We'll give another prospect or two coming up next in segment three of this Wednesday edition of Lockdown Eagles. And guys, today's show is sponsored by betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but you got draft props you can work on. You've got the NBA, you've got the NHL all in full swing. And BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, 
and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use our promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, promo code LOCKEDON, for a 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Eagles fans, welcome back into this Wednesday edition of your daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast. It's Locked On Eagles, Louis DiBiase, Gino Camilleri. Guys, also, we've been doing Mock Draft Monday every Monday since, what, you know, the beginning of February. Soon, we're going to be doing, from April 19th through the 26th, we're going to be doing a network-wide Ultimate Mock Draft that you can find on any podcast platform. Listen to the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 featuring analysis from NFL experts like we got Michael Irvin coming on, Jason Lockenfora, Brian Baldinger, our local experts, including me and Gino, for every team making trades and picking the next stars of their team. Subscribe to the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by Lockdown and Odyssey on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. All right, Gino, we are wrapping up this edition of the show talking about prospects, my guys, that me and you are way higher on than maybe teams are, than analysts are, that fans are alike. We've talked about the likes of, you know, Asante Samuel Jr., uh, Jalen Darden, who are the couple that you mentioned as well, um, the, the BYU tight end, who I always forget his name. Matt Bushman. Matt Bushman. So, and then your first guy, um, Jarrett Patterson from the University oh, yeah. of Buffalo, Jared running Pat, back baby. that posted crazy numbers. So, some really good players I think we're talking about in this podcast. One more for me that I actually talked to uh, during the UAB Pro Day press conferences last week is pass rusher Jordan Smith. You look at mm-hmm. the way he measured in, Gino, he's like a spitting image of Josh Sweat. Both 6'5", yeah. 250 to 60 pounds, crazy vertical, huge wingspan, a raw pass rusher that I think meets this Eagles timeline. Do you need an edge rusher this year? I don't think you need one. You have Brandon Graham. You have Josh Sweat, who keeps taking huge leaps every year. You still got Derek Barnett on that fifth-year option worth you know $10 million. But again, are you going to extend Barnett next year? Derek Barnett is, or I'm sorry, Brandon Graham is in his 30s right now. Josh Sweat, they still don't use as an every-down defensive end. So you don't need one in 2021, but you might need one in 2022, 2023. Let Jordan Smith be that DE4. Let him polish his game. Let him develop. He's and again, it's just I'm so into upside, and that's why I would love Jordan Smith as like a buy, um, you know, a, a guy that you can really bank on, low floor, high ceiling. Get him in day two, at the end of the, one of those third round picks, maybe your fourth round draft pick as well. He was a very efficient, one of the most efficient pass rushers according to Pro Football Focus last year at UAB. And uh, when I talked to him, he seemed way more mature than coming out of Florida. He was part of that credit card scheme, and um, there was some. Concerns about him off the field, but when I talked to him, he seemed like a guy that really took all that in stride and got better at UAB. And, you know, he loves the speed rush right now. He's got great bend. Those are the two things that he really said he thrives in currently, but he wants to work on his repertoire more. And I think that's what Josh Sweat did too, Gino. When he came in, he was pretty raw. Like he could outrun you, he could overpower you, but he only had a couple moves. And then you saw just how well versed it was last year. I think that's Smith as well. Let him work on his game, let him polish that off in 2021. And, Maybe he could be a stud for you down the road. So I think Jordan Smith would be somebody really interesting with that second, third round pick or that fourth round draft pick. Yeah, I, th- I knew you were going to go edge there. I didn't know yeah. if it was going to be him or one of the guys that you interviewed at Florida State. Yeah, like uh, Jason Joshua Kando Kando. or Joshua yeah. Kando. Yeah, dude, Kando, six seven. Janaris Robinson too, man. Those Florida State kids are beat. 
all the levels Wait, of that defense. How were they not out. better? I, I, I do, know. I do not understand. We've mentioned today Kando, Robinson, Asante, and then like yeah. Hamza Nazarlin was like built like Cam <laughs> yeah, Chancellor at safety. Yeah, man. Florida State, I don't know why they were. I mean, their offense was terrible, so I guess that's why. But yeah, uh, definitely Jordan Smith. Let's get one more from you before we get to the listeners and then uh, wrap up the show. Yeah, I'm going to go with a guy who I actually saw at CGS down in Dallas. I've mentioned him a couple mock drafts. Interior defensive line, Mustafa Johnson. Mm-hmm. You know how the Eagles love those guys that can compete and oh, yeah. play three tech and get off the ball quickly. This dude, I would say the easiest way to say how quick he is off the ball is like shaking up a two liter soda and just undoing the top. <laughs> he is so springy. Put some Mentos in compact. the Coke. Yeah, put some Mentos in the Coca-Cola and he gets off the ball real quickly. The draft network has him as their 289th player right now behind guys in this draft class at interior defensive line. He's like the 23rd or 24th one on this list. Not yeah. a good class at that position at all. I mean, it's bad, yeah. you're looking at Tyler Shelvin as a top 100 player who I don't believe is at all. I mean, Barrymore makes a ton of sense, but outside of that, you might not see one taken in the first round when a couple yeah. of years ago in that Christian Watkins class for uh, um, when he went to Miami, there was talk that the Eagle or Christian Wilkins. Oh, oh Wilkins. Eagles, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Eagles were talked about to move up for him. That class was loaded mm-hmm. with guys. This class is not, they were saying that was like one of the best defensive line classes ever. So yeah. Yeah. Defensive tackle is pretty brutal this year, but that's a good one for later on in the draft. I mm-hmm. look at, the uh, listeners at Lockdown Birds, there's a lot of Asante Samuel Jr. I mean, everybody loves Mr. Pick 6, so it makes sense that we're all buying into the hype of 22. I like this right. one um, from Chris, who writes in Peyton Turner, the edge rusher out of Houston. Kind of the Great. same logic as Jordan Smith. That's another good upside mm-hmm. guy for sure. Hammer Cam Sample or Ellerson yeah. Smith, I think that day three territory for edge rusher looks very good. You got a lot of guys that were interested uh, at the senior bowl from a lot of NFL teams. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of guys that are uh, those fourth and fifth year seniors. And then you have a lot of guys that have just those traits that are more like, what can we get out of them? What can we right. get out of Josh Sweat? What can we get out of the two guys we mentioned from Florida state? Yep. I think this edge class is very intriguing and you're going to have some ballers come out of this class for sure. And if you're taking alignment, I a hundred percent suggest you go edge over interior defensive lineman. I agree. Class. A lot of uh, our Darius Washington's Gino, as well as Frank Darby's, I see in these tweets. I love Frank Darby, man. I love Frank Darby. I haven't picked him on, I don't think, any of our mock drafts, but he's he's going to be a poor man's Rashad Bateman, essentially. Like, he's the same size, gets downfield, doesn't run as great of routes, obviously, Mm -hmm. as Rashad Bateman, but he, he did it all last year for them, especially after Nikhil Harry and our boy. Brandon Ayuk left yep. Arizona State. He really mm-hmm. took it over and had a lot of different quarterback play there, and he did all right. And I wouldn't mind seeing Frank Darby there in Philadelphia, 100%. I agree. I agree, Gino. So those are some names to watch that me, Gino, and you, the listeners, like as well a whole lot better than maybe the consensus does in the 2021 mm-hmm. NFL draft class. That's going to do it for this Wednesday edition of Locked On Eagles, your daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast. Be sure to subscribe on any platform wherever you listen to your shows. Subscribe to our YouTube page now, and we're going to be doing live shows on Twitter and YouTube at least once a week through StreamYard. So we appreciate you guys checking out the podcast on all the platforms. And then we always head to Twitter after and talk birds at Lockdown Birds, at DiBiase, L-O-E, at GC24 
underscore football. For Gino Camilleri, I'm Lou DiBiase signing off. As always, thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening. And let's go, birds. Fly, Eagles, fly.